Listeners, welcome to another episode of Forrest Gump Minute, your weekly podcast where we talk about the movie Forrest Gump four minutes at a time. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined as always by my best good friends, Joe and Duff. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. I think we've reached that part of the movie, of every one of these projects. (laughs) We were like, oh boy. We got we got to keep going here. We're talking about minutes 105 through 108, guys. Um, in this four-minute segment, it starts with Forrest cutting grass and ends with Forrest and Jenny dancing in his plantation house. To a lot tur- of Jenny. A lot. Of, it's a Jenny-centric segment. Yes. Um, so the big thing, obviously, that happens here is Jenny comes back. Not a ghost this time, or is she? Ooh. Yeah, um, she never talks to him. Does she never talk to him? She says hi to him at the that, beginning. Th- yeah, uh, but I mean, that's the point of this sequence is he, he mentions, like, I think two different times how he does all the talking. Yeah. What if Jenny's dead? <laughs> Before we think she's dead, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's ponder that. Um, we'll come back to it. Yeah. So Jenny comes here. So first off, where did she come from at this point? Because the last time we saw her, was it when she was in California and was about to jump and then decided not to at the big hot tub party? Yeah. <laughs> at, yeah, Jack Horner's house from Boogie Nights. <laughs> she was so pissed because she had turned the hot tub on so that uh, oh, that's right. it would heat up. And then yeah, her so- boyfriend OD'd. So Forrest talks about how Jenny just sleeps a lot, and Jenny just needed to dry out. I think. Yeah. Is that what is that what that means? Is that is because I was like, wait, is she sick now? I I think Jenny just reached rock bottom. Like I need to clean myself up. Probably couldn't afford rehab or a clinic or something because she probably didn't have health insurance. And it's like, oh, I, I know Forrest has that house on the plantation. I'll go crash there. I'll go to the plantation house and live. And honestly, you know what they live in this in this whole segment? They're living that quarantine life. Yeah, they are. They're living that quarantine life very you, much you, so. You hang out in the house a lot, and when things are really going your way that day, you go for a walk. Yeah. And you don't see anyone else. And then on Saturday night, that's music night. <laughs> mm-hmm. You turn on the hi-fi and have some dance party. Yep. You know, I goof on this movie a lot. Because it doesn't have any character development or, you know, like basically Forrest is the same person the entire movie. But I, I'm going to give credit where it's due. This is one, this, this sequence shows one example of him growing. I don't know if you guys really caught it because I, I, I'm, a, you know, a character development expert. Is it because he doesn't say anything to her when she's throwing stuff? Well, th- he finally has learned how when an old friend comes to visit, you turn off your transportation device before you get off of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. When she does show up, he does turn off his snapper lawnmower. He doesn't just bolt off. <laughs> that is a would good you, point. <laughs> yay or nay if he would have bolted off and we would have seen it while they were hugging, running into their house <laughs> in the background. <laughs> it kills three people like a dead rising weapon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, you're right. That is, thanks for giving credit where it's due in this movie, Joe. Eric Roth, kudos. <laughs> uh, so Jenny, Jenny's there. And, um, so yeah, last we saw her was in 
California. This would have been mid to late seventies, I think. Yeah. Timeline wise. Yes. And um, she's sleeping all the time. I guess you mentioned why she's she's drying out. <laughs> she uh, switched to lutes. <laughs> Jenny Jenny <laughs> needs more and less blankets. <laughs> <laughs> Because we don't really see her having like withdrawal or anything. She just no, seems to be- I, I just think she's just finally, you know, the party lifestyle's over, and she's just. It's the seventies, man. They get to you, and you can only it, live that life for so long. It does, you know the the Gump Plantation looks like a nice, uh, a nice place, relaxing place to hang out. Yeah, I mean it's 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 either that or the alley behind the Walmart. So. <laughs> It's what if she was into huffing and there's just like, <laughs> yeah, paint all over the front paper of her bags? Face. Citizen Jenny. <laughs> um, Jenny Sherlock. I don't know if anyone bags. is. Does do you guys even get that? I get that. Okay. I get that reference. Yeah, Citizen Ruth. Yeah. Um, all right. So good. Fun fact. Um, I think my only fun fact of this segment: Robin Wright was the only actress who read for this part. So, the only one willing to read for it. <laughs> Apparently, she read, and they were like, "Yeah, that's 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 Jenny. Let's go with her." And you know, I think she's good in this movie, but there's not a whole lot to work with, as we've talked about a lot. I, I think that these scenes we're seeing are very well done. Um, yeah, and, and it might be because there's not a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just it's some beautiful scenery. Uh, Zemeckis is great at takes and composition and whatnot. So uh, I think when they're in front of uh, Jenny's old homestead, I'll call it a house, but barely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think those are really well framed. They're very nice looking, and it's yeah, it's it's some good good stuff. Uh, so yeah, she goes back to her homestead and uh, she starts throwing things or shoes and rocks all i could think of whenever someone throws a shoe is from um austin, <laughs> austin powers. powers who throws the shoe <laughs> but uh what, you know so, i think i got a question mm-hmm. what what would be your version of jenny's house what's, oh, what's a, oh my a, God. A, a place no i don't mean so just hear me out <laughs> just some place that that is a cause of uh or a source of trauma might be too strong a word a place you'd like to go back to and throw some rocks at it for catharsis. You know, this this might be like a bus stop for middle school where you got bullied, you know. Yeah. Um, boy, that's a deep question there. Uh, so I don't... Can I use... It feels unfair to do the whole building, but can I pick just a floor of the dorms on freshman year? <laughs> elaborate well i mean i i feel like anyone who's listened to any regularity to all these podcasts have heard uh the story of my very thankfully briefly nightmare freshman year roommate who was uh, a rich kid from chicago and i think i've told the story of how the first night of college i was sexiled because he he brought home some woman um, that he met at a party, even though he still had his high school girlfriend. Um, and then just amongst other uh, events uh, was he, I think I've shared this 
I'm not sure if I've ever shared this on shared this on the show, any show, but he he was like, I really like to go to bed with the TV on, and he didn't really present this as a choice. It was just <laughs> kind of presented <laughs> as, uh, way. this is going to happen. <laughs> you are now on board with this, and you know I was like, oh okay, that's you know that's cool. There were two movies that he liked to watch and have on Titanic and Forrest Gump (laughs) Uh, one was the Virgin Suicides (laughs) normal what (laughs) which what I I can't believe I did he just like the soundtrack that might be it so oven uh, so that's a that's a weird one but you know it's not the weird it's a good movie it's it yeah it's okay on board the other one Schindler's List (laughs) The other one, I would have preferred that, was the movie Kids. Oh, my God. His brain is so normal and powerful. (laughs) Uh, For anyone who's not familiar, Kids was like a very controversial movie in the early 90s. Um, The plot, I believe, concerned um, teenagers and sexuality and drugs. Young. Not like young teenagers, like like if I recall, they're like late middle school teenagers. There was a lot of controversy because the director um, had actual teenagers and crossing certain <laughs> lines and standards, and a young Rosario Dawson, uh, Cl- uh, Chloe Savini. Chloe Savini. Um, yeah. A major plot point of the movie is there's this kind of sociopath kid who likes to ha- have virgins, and he doesn't be his you know he likes to have sex but they have to be virgins but he doesn't know he has aids and so he's spreading it around mm-hmm. um so yeah it's a super fun movie to fall asleep to <laughs> wow uh wow and the I, as i said the sex island thing was the first night this came up probably maybe like a couple days later or first week for sure um how long uh, was he oh, your roommate for uh, till he found out he his like private school that he was not accepted to, like someone dropped out so he could get in. Oh, okay. Um. Oh, the uh, one other thing I think I've shared is, um, this was uh, fall of two thousand one, so nine eleven is happening literally one of these days. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what I was gonna share, but that's that was there too. But when we moved in, um. The first thing he did is he he had a like 27 inch uh, flat screen monitor, which is not a big deal now. But kids, if you had that in yeah, 2001, that's yeah, that, flat screen, yeah, just flat screen in general. It you know that was where I'm like, oh, this guy's rich. <laughs> um, his dad like gave him a Corvette for a graduation present. Um, but the first thing he did was he set up that monitor with a nude Shannon Elizabeth background and just pleased as punch. It's like, check it out, man. And, wow. you know, I mean, we're all young and stupid and, you know, like, you know, posters of women and whatnot. But even at that point, I'm like, uh, yeah, girls are going to love that, man. Thanks. <laughs> That's super cool. It Was he like a character in a Brett Easton Ellis book? He, yeah, it does sound like that. That he was, yeah, he was <laughs> American Psycho. You know, Joe, I don't have an answer for this. I've been thinking about it. 
Mine is Soldier Field. (laughs) (laughs) Sight of a lot of losses there for you. Yes. That's that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, Yeah, I was... (laughs) Haven't you gone to a Culver's that got your order wrong or something? (laughs) That seems like something... (laughs) I'm trying to think of something that would get me so mad that I would, like... Yeah, I just named one. (laughs) I mean, I'm very forgiving when I'm sober, when my order is wrong. How about the Qdoba that didn't put enough cheese in your nachos that one night? (laughs) (laughs) So there's two Qdobas downtown Milwaukee that... That have wronged slighted you. me. <laughs> One was in the. This, in is, the, like, this yeah, is like yeah, with your tiny burrito in the Bradley Center. Yes, yeah, the Bradley Center one. This is like Friends, Nick, Nixon's enemies list, right? Here. Uh, would you believe that Rob spilled not just rice from a tiny burrito all over the person in front of us, but also some Sierra Mist? Or it may have been Sprite, but I think it, it was, was Sierra Mist. It was Sierra Mist. I was unaware of this. Well, all right. So I think we've talked about this on maybe Probably. other podcasts. We don't but have to do it, get into it. That, that, but yeah, uh, that was one of your finest moments. Yeah, I did get too drunk and got very upset about the size of my burrito. <laughs> and while I was complaining about it at a basketball game, I knew that part of my burrito had fallen into the elderly gentleman's <laughs> hoodie in front of me. The disabled elderly gentleman. <laughs> we didn't know he was disabled till he left. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was the M Night Shyamalan plot twist of that. <laughs> <laughs> what I was unaware of, but Joe was very aware of, is during my fit of stomping my legs, <laughs> my Sierra Mist had spilled over and went down the back of the seat of the woman next his wife, next to him. And I was too drunk to even realize I was happening. I was just zeroed in on the pieces of rice and chicken and beans that were in this guy's hoodie. They just think when they found it out at home or whatever, how mad they were at you. (laughs) (laughs) I think he found it out. Didn't he pop his hoodie on? Once he got up and we saw he was handicapped, didn't he then pop his hoodie on? At least I don't remember it that way. I was probably blinded by by shame. So Second I, shame. I I knew this story, but I I have a question that I can't believe I've never asked before. I'm, this is for Joe actually. Can you confirm that the burrito was actually small? Was he just super hungry and mad? <laughs> I can confirm that it was not a sa- standard size Qdoba burrito. It was like you know, like in arenas they always give you you know they always give you the old Scroogey there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it was kind of like how on Dollar Hot Dog Night they give you the crappy buns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if this is accepted fact or if this is just a personal conspiracy theory. No, but. and they also give you crappy hot dogs. It's not the same hot dog on Dollar Hot Dog Night. How can it you make a hot dog isn't. any crappier than a hot dog? No, no. There's they make a it smaller. The hot dog that they give you on Dollar Hot Dog Nights is not the same hot dog you get on the other nights. It's not even close. It's That's, a scam. I, I 100% sign on for this. You are, yeah. you are correct, sir. I, They're I, not ballpark sized when you get the dollar ones. It's like the the runt hot dogs. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know if, if it was like a taco-sized tortilla made into a burrito or, or what exactly happened, <laughs> but it was noticeably smaller. And I was hungry too, but I stopped being hungry because I was so amused by how angry Rob was. I was so mad. I feel bad about it now. Um, 
So I felt I, bad about it at the time. I mean, I knew it was wrong to spill burrito down that guy's hoodie. <laughs> an old it was pants. an accident. <laughs> but I didn't want. I didn't know like what I was torn on and why I didn't know the CR miss thing happened. Is I was trying to figure out: Do I say something now, or do I just let it go? And I thought I'll just let it go. Like I said, totally unaware of what had happened with the CR miss. You were looking at his hood the way Austin Powers looks at Fred Savage <laughs> and his bowl. <laughs> It's like you know, I look like Lieutenant Dan during uh, New Year's, <laughs> just staring into this into the hoodie of burrito pieces. Oh, okay. So I I don't know if we've ever told this tale, but I haven't I have an answer for Rob. If, okay. If you know if the old what was that the Bradley Center the old arena? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> yours could be the Bradley Center. Oh no. I kind of have one. That is kind of a, a mythical place that may or may not have ever actually existed. Uh, it is the erotic cake shop that you dragged me along to try <laughs> to find for your wife's birthday circa 2004. <laughs> what? I don't think I know about this. <laughs> was, was it like the one from Saturday, <laughs> like Saturday Night Live, Patrick Stewart's cake shop? So, Rob, do you remember this? I have a vague memory. We were, my my wife's uh, my wife's a twin, and we had the idea of getting her and her twin a uh, a, uh, a neurotic cake of boobs that said "Happy Birthday to the Twins." That is sicko shit, <laughs> okay. man. First of all, on Earth. First of all, I didn't even remember that part of it, which is disturbing. It's weird that you remember that. You, just, I got an erotic cake for my sister-in-law, who is my wife's twin. Somehow that makes it weirder. I don't know why exactly. Uh, uh, so I blindsided, but so Rob, uh, Molly's birthday is September, August, August. Okay, yeah, pretty close. So, so this was around, you know, probably early August. And I just remember that it was super hot. And in those days, you know, the pre-smartphone days, um, we would just be like, all right, let's go do this. And then we'll go play video games for like 17 hours or something. <laughs> so Rob Rob was like, do you want to walk along with me to this erotic cake shop? I know where it is. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> and I said, yeah, okay, I'll go along. And so... Did he? I'm sorry. It Uh. became obvious to me fairly early on that Rob had only, at at best, a vague notion. Number one, that maybe there even was an erotic cake shop, and then number two, assume playing devil's advocate, where this erotic cake shop was. So just. We're wandering around. Just it was probably like ninety, ninety-five degrees. I just remember it was so hot. Rob does not handle heat well, <laughs> no. folks. And no. this went on for I want. It was a good hour. I'm just like, well, let's go. And, and <laughs> what on earth? <laughs> and to my to Rob's credit, you know, it fooled me once. Uh, that's shame on you. But I think I should have figured it out sooner. That this this was folly. This was like this was like the, you know, whatever. Like, uh, 
Uh, <laughs> I have so many questions that I need to start writing them down so I don't forget them. Uh, this was like Aguari the Wrath of God looking for that gold city or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so whether or not this place exists, I think that is what you would throw rocks at to demolish. Uh, what kind of cake were you going to get? So I'm trying to like remember all this. I have vague memories of having to listen i'm sure i tricked off into some walks <laughs> and now that i think about it it was not it would not have been for that cake because that cake idea i said was actually the other rob's cake idea and it would have been like it would have been after college that that idea would have came about nope nope positive it was not after no no college. i'm not saying i'm just saying i don't think so i don't remember what oh, okay my you had, big you idea had your was. perverted idea later on got it yeah <laughs> when you were older no, I didn't want to mature. buy the boob cake for my my wife and sister in law until I was a college graduate. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to find. I workshopped the idea with my boss. I desperately need to know when you when you and Rob, yes, uh, folks, uh, the husband of his sister in law, the twin, is also named Rob. So two <laughs> Robs who are friends are married to sisters. Twins. Yeah. Uh, what kind of cake would it have been? Angel food? I think it doesn't. I don't think we would have cared about that. We just wanted it to be like I, But I, for some reason, I just feel like to do my full, like, like psychological think... profile of you, I, I need to know what you would tell the erotic baker to make the boobs out of. Probably angel food. <laughs> and would you have told told them it's because they're angels? No. <laughs> No. No, I wouldn't have done that. I feel I feel harassed. <laughs> so what but is, I then, don't... then there's the point where you have to cut into this cake and eat it. Like what that's I feel like Buffalo Bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean erotic cakes in general you have to cut into and eat at some point. What? <laughs> Who's buying erotic cakes? I don't know. I think they went under. Because <laughs> you I couldn't think... find them, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no one could find the erotic cake stores. It's like a speakeasy. Yeah, it must be. You know what I thought you were going to say, Duff? What? You mentioned uh, Joe's being uh, Soldier Field, and I thought mine could be the Coal Center when I walked off that job I had there. Oh. Do you guys know this story? Yeah. Okay. Cause I, you... I don't remember the details. I worked on the uh, conversion crew uh, in college, which was like they just paid students barely any money to come and like move the the court from like a basketball court to a hockey um, to the ice or vice versa. And you'd start at like midnight and work till like three in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then you would like and all you had to do to get the job was show up and fill up some paperwork and then you would do it. And um I was doing it one time, and we're in the coal center. You know, it was fairly new at that point, and I was like pushing these like giant like sections of the basketball court, and I was pushing, and it's really tall. I can't see or over it, and so there's a second person that's kind of steering it. His job is to steer it, and as I was pushing it, he never said anything or steered it any other direction. So I just kept pushing it, and I it ran into a drywall and put a giant hole in the drywall 
<laughs> in like you know inside the the arena on like around the sides and the guy was like what'd you just do and i was like dude i'm sorry man i'm just pushing it you gotta let me know and he's like look at this big hole you just put in here and i was like well let's just walk away from it <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we did and so we we pushed it over and uh you know i was like unloading the pallet like the piece of the wood floor and like hammering them in and doing the stuff i'm supposed to do and i looked over and the guy who i who was running the cart with me was talking to the foreman of the conversion crew snitch and i looked over just in time guys to see him point at me (laughs) and i just walked away and I never came back to that job again. That's the right way to handle that, actually. I, I, I fully support it. Yeah, that is 100% the right move. I was just like, I'm I'm done. And I just walked out, clocked out, never came back again, and figured. So if I could throw rocks and shoes at anyone, it would be that guy, who I have no memory of him whatsoever outside of the vision I had of the foreman and a blurry figure pointing at me. <laughs> From well, across from narc. He's a from sni- narc. He's, he's a snitch and he deserves it. So I I co-sign on this. I I do like how you guys had some Hitchcockian pact, like you just committed a murder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, back to Forrest Gump, guys. Um, I do think Forrest Gump's a good guy here, and that he doesn't say anything at all to Jenny. And he just sits by here by her, and I think this line of sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks is a pretty good line. I I think so too. It is it is a nice moment in this movie. He, he correctly did not tell her that she should calm down. Yes. Um why are you so mad? <laughs> um so also in this sequence we have time for a musical cue and I'm did, sure Zemeckis well, first, was like did anyone see that Forrest has his metal back on his pocket? Yes, I did see that. Is so that a cutscene? She probably gave it back to him because it didn't make any sense. Listen, I don't want this. You have your own metal, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I've I never noticed that before because I didn't watch this four minutes at a time. Yeah. He does have it back. It must I don't know, it's bizarre. It's just like hanging out of his pocket. It must be a, like a deleted scene. Uh, okay, so good catch. But Zemeckis has a chance to um, have a new song, and he's like, "Oh, what should I do for here, for uh, Forrest and Jenny being back home <laughs> in Alabama? What yeah. song could I pick for this uh, moment?" Yep. Once again, the first pick is the final pick. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yep, "Sweet Home Alabama." Which uh, was because he's because she's back home. It's in, in Alabama. Alabama. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was off the second Leonard Skinner album called Second Helping. And this is their second song, second appearance, right? So far in the movie. Yeah, we had yes. we had Freebird already. Uh, this hit number eight on the charts in 1974. Um, the history the kind of uh battle this song was involved in is when you really oh. step back pretty wild and that there, there was a yeah there was like a rap beef with yeah. uh, neil young and uh leonard skinnerd i am i i like skinnerd for the most part but this is one of their worst songs i think so uh, 
much like other songs, I don't ever want to hear this song again, oh, even, even though I think it might be great. I, <laughs> I honestly, can anyone tell? No, no it, it's, I never, ever want to hear it again. I mean, in terms of just pure song quality, like Southern Man is also extremely overplayed, but I, I wouldn't mind hearing that song again. Southern yeah. Man wasn't the jingle for KFC for however many years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as I wish that it was published how much money they've made from licensing this song. It must be, I want to say nine figures. <laughs> it's either a lot or not nearly as much as we think it would oh, be, and that's oh, why they keep doing it. Or it's like, yeah, they don't own it, and the record company just makes a lot from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so musically i the only interesting thing about this song to me now is that it was written as a response to neil young writing uh southern man and the song alabama which are criticisms of uh southern racists uh neil young who's canadian which is another wrinkle in the story (laughs) yeah Eh, why can't he do it no i'm just saying like it's just it's a weird story on its face and then just gets weirder because uh and they actually both artists had mutual respect yeah they they were friends um i don't remember which album it is but i think ronnie van zandt is wearing a neil young shirt on the album cover Hmm. um so yeah this is a uh response to neil young lyrics but uh they were very um, respectful of each other and i found that in neil neil young's autobiography did you say Neil Bung for a second there? <laughs> I think you did. Uh, I think I just stuttered. <laughs> Sorry. Neil, yeah, Neil Bung. Uh, he said that my own song, Alabama, richly deserved the shot Leonard Skinner gave me with their great record. I don't like the words when I listen to it. They're accusatory and condescending, not fully thought out, and too easy to misconstrue. So hindsight's twenty twenty, and who knows if he meant it? Because I mm-hmm. think he wrote that in like twenty twelve. Uh, other inter- interesting facts. Uh, well, this isn't so much a fact, but uh, Joe, you'll appreciate this. Uh, the National Review did. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> they did a a, uh, a countdown of the best uh, conservative rock songs, and this song came in. Do you want to guess? I would think number three. Uh, yeah, yeah, three is actually a real solid guess. I'm going to say that too. Yeah, you're both pretty close. It was number four. Okay. Uh, they said a tribute to the region of America that liberals love to loathe, taking a shot at Neil Young's Canadian arrogance along oh, the, the you, way. You mean the one that rebelled against America? <laughs> <laughs> so what were what was three? Two, well, yeah, one? can you give us can you give us the count, r- countdown from five up? Uh, Okay, so this five is a wild one. It beat out Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys. (laughs) Famous famous conservative, uh, Brian Wilson. Uh, So it says, pro-abstinence and (laughs) (laughs) pro-marriage. Oh, my God. Brian Wilson was probably on eight gallons of LSD (laughs) when he wrote that song. Also, how I don't get how wouldn't it be nice as pro abstinence? It doesn't mean they haven't had sex. It just means they want to get married and live together. Yeah, that's bizarre. Uh, yeah, okay. that's a strange one. Uh, 
number Wait, th- did Mike Love write this? <laughs> number three is Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Famous uh, conservatives. <laughs> uh, says, don't be misled by the title. This song is the screw tape letters of rock. The devil is a tempter who leans hard on moral relativism. He will oh make you God. think that every cop is a criminal and all the sinners saints. What's more, he is the sinister inspiration for the cruelties of Bolshevism. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And oh, then, my God. And then it just that rules. And then it just names the lyrics that talk about the czar and, czar and his ministers. And yeah. Uh, number two, uh, Tax Man by the Beatles. Ugh. A George Harrison masterpiece with a famous guitar riff which was actually played by Paul McCartney. And then it gives some okay. of the lyrics. The song closes with a humorous jab at death taxes. Now for now my advice for those who die, declare the pennies on your eyes. That's one of the weaker Beatles songs in my opinion. Yeah. And know. number 1 is again a weird one. Won't get fooled again by the who. <laughs> Wait, so so just to be clear, in their top five, we have <laughs> conservative rock songs. We have The Who, Beatles, Rolling Stones, and The Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just making sure. And, sk- and Skinner. And Skinner. Um, won't get fooled again. The conservative movement is full of disillusioned revolutionaries. This mm. could be their theme song. An oath that swears off naive idealism once and for all. Uh, give some of the lyrics. The instantly recognizable synth intro, Pete Townsend's ringing guitar, Keith Moon's pounding drums, and Roger Daltrey's wailing vocals make this one of the most explosive rock anthems ever recorded. The best number by a big band and a classic for conservatives. Okay. Uh, it's Good job, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Real cool. Uh, just a couple more. Uh, fun facts. I didn't know that uh, Warren Zevon wrote a parody of this song. Uh, Me neither. I did not. Does he remember? <laughs> did he? <laughs> well, writing it? I did mean, he? he's dead now. So oh, I know, I know. I phrased uh, it wrong, but you know what I mean. Yeah. He was well, he did say a... that he smoked a lot of marijuana while he wrote it. So, <laughs> um, Play it all night long from his 1980 album Bad Luck Streak in Dancing School. And there's so there's a chorus that goes, um, I found, well, first I found this that says, Warren Zevon apparently hated it and referred to it as that dead band song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so. The, That's awesome. Uh, oh, God. And so the song played all night long, I guess, parodies it. And the chorus is, Sweet Home Alabama, play that dead band song. Turn those speakers up full blast, play it all night long. God, that's that. He had like, is he the meanest lyricist ever? He was, even by rock star standards, just a miserably unhappy dude. (laughs) Um, wrote some great tunes though. Yeah. Um, as much as I don't ever need to hear "Sweet Home Alabama" again, I would probably listen to it ten times uh, as much if I didn't have to hear "All Summer Long" by Kid Rock. Which ties together Skinner oh. and Warren Zevon into just an abortion of a song. Maybe, That's fair. Yeah, maybe the laziest song I've ever heard. 
this segment ends with uh, he he uh, gives her flowers. She gives him a pair of shoes, Nikes. Those are some sweet shoes, man. They are. I don't know if we need to talk about uh, Chekhov's shoes here. <laughs> um, <laughs> they will make a pretty big appearance later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about regarding this section as they are as we wrap up with Forrest and Jenny dancing? I appreciate his awkward stiff white man dance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it is a very relatable dance. It's it's great that they just live happily ever after now and nothing bad happens. Yeah, this is like another like another part of the movie that it could just end right here. Yeah. She just goes Lucy on him all like so many times in this movie. <laughs> yeah. You're right. It could, like if this was the last shot of them just dancing and it playing Sweet Home Alabama, doesn't that work? Ed, everything would be tied up with the possible exception of we don't see Lieutenant Dan with his new legs and his fiance. But we've already had a nice tie up for Lieutenant Dan. Like he makes yeah. he makes his peace. So I I think this would be a very emotionally satisfying conclusion. It would be a one hundred and eight minute long movie at that point. Yep. It would feels right. It it would be less And of a we'd bummer. be done with this show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be done. But we're not done, so listeners, come back next week. We will have another episode. Um, you can go, if you want more stuff, you can go to patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys. And uh, as little as $2 a month, get access to more content. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do any more plugs. Who cares? Happy the days while I'm mending the nest Till once more they ride high out to sea